Number one bloke I know, Denon Kemp. Number one bloke you know. You like that one? I like that one. <laughs> so when it comes to trying new things, I've always just been of the mind that you just got to be so good at something, they're forced to respect you. I just want to say, I reckon I could have gassed him when I was... Like, you reckon? Yeah. That's a big call. If you're an NRL player, you are tough. Yeah. It is that simple. God made me aerodynamic to be fast. Would have I scored the paratri if I didn't have this beak? Absolutely not. <laughs> what would you do if you couldn't fail? Is always a question you need to ask yourself. We've got really deep in that rabbit hole. <laughs> Your legs are looking really smooth, eh? Bro, I got some of the best legs in the game. Pound for pound, seriously. I used to call myself the pound for pound king of the Broncos just quietly, but it's all right. <laughs> That's an exclusive tip. That's oh, exclusive. How good? No one knew that before I just said it. It's so special. Welcome back, everyone, to the Let's Talk Show, episode eight. And with me is the number one bloke I know, Denon Kemp. How's it going? Number one bloke you know? Holy. You like that one? I like that one. <laughs> you like that Feeling very good. How you been? My missus called me an absolute loser as I walked out the door. And I walk into this compliment. It's the best. <laughs> Why did she call you a loser? She didn't. She oh. was taking care of the baby. I just made that up. Bit of GST. Yeah, yeah. Bit of GST. It. What have you been up to? Mate, uh, just working. Just working. I... Funny, the season ended and I was kind of like, all right, what I'm going to do is I'm going to smash out heaps of player interviews because what I try to do is like prioritize like analytical content during the season. Then in the off season, I do the interviews when the boys are a bit more relaxed and mm. um, and I thought, okay, so it'll slow down a bit, but it really hasn't slowed down at all. Maybe even doing more. So, uh, but you know, I'm doing a lot of something I love rather than a lot of something I hate. And that's a win for me. Exactly right. And you're the one bloke that I know has so many fingers in different pies at the moment. Who do you got next coming on your uh, show? Uh, I've got Maddie Johns this Friday. Oh, that'll be um, cool. That's an exclusive too. That's oh, exclusive. How good? No one knew that before I just said it. Oh, I feel so Except for my producer. So <laughs> just saying, so you know, I'm trying to give you, I'm not trying to give you something back, but coming on my show all those years ago when I set up materials in your lounge I was room. about to say, you got there before me. So how ironic that... You know, obviously, I'm kicking off my podcast journey, and you're one of my first guests. And I did the same with you, what, seven Mate, years ago? I'll never forget. And you know what stands out for me the most is we were just talking, I think, after the podcast, and I'm not sure whether it was your manager or whatever at the time, but they hadn't even gotten new sponsor boots yet. And I think you were like playing for New South Wales, or you're killing it. You're killing it. I think, yeah. I think and it infuriated right. me <laughs> that one of the play, like the best players in the comp, couldn't even get sponsor boots. And I just remember that so vividly of like, getting so angry about it. I remember the introduction you gave me, one of my all-time favourite wingers, that, you know what, after that, you could have asked me anything <laughs> you wanted. <laughs> but what about that? Your, your journey in podcast world, like, you're one of the first to do it. And um, as a footy player, you know, once you kind of step out of that circle and you're doing something different, it's very easy to get judged. How, what was that like for you, that transition? Yeah, uh, look, I've always been of the mind. And, and look, I had a, I guess, during school and growing up, got bullied quite a lot. And mm. not in a way where I was like a victim, like I would always be able to stand up for myself. Um, but I did get bullied quite a lot. And basically what would happen, I'd get bullied for a few years and then we'd fight physically. Then it would stop. We'd become friends again, bullied, fight, stop. It just, just a natural circle of life, if you will. Mm. Uh, and um, so when it came to like doing things, like stepping out of your comfort zone, like for example, playing soccer and deciding to play league, like mm. that's a, it's almost a stupid decision. Oh, looking back. Transition. Yeah. And so when it comes to trying new things, I've always just been of the mind that, if you're, you just got to be so good at something, they're forced to respect you. Mm. So whether you like me or hate me is kind of irrelevant. Not that like I'm walking around going, oh, I don't care about what people think. I do care about what people think. But at the end of the day, I'll find solace in the fact that whether you love me or you hate me, you've got to respect that there's high quality content being created. Mm. Um, now, if you think that's not true, then fair enough. That's also your opinion. But I've always been of the mind that if you be the best you can be in something, you'll get the respect and then love comes after that. I love that. 
Thank that was, you. That was really, that was really powerful. Was that, was that powerful? That was pretty powerful. Damn. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And before I get carried away, our friends from Shoe Grab got your little gift. Oh, bit, stop it! Are you a bit of a sneakerhead? Our good friends, I, mate. I tell you what, I'm I'm not a sneakerhead in the normal sense of like rolling around in Air Jordans and that. Yeah, yeah. Do you call them Air Jordans still or you just call them Jordans? Oh, uh, we call them Air Jordans. I'm looking at your shoes now. Like, they look like a bit dated. Thank, thank God. Uh, exactly. <laughs> but I will say I absolutely love joggers. So these bad boys. Oh, how good Stop is that? it. How good is that? I'm actually wearing white ones right now and they're all dirty. <laughs> whereas these look fast, man. What are you doing every Friday? You want to share that? Every Friday? Mm. Well, every day. Is it every, every day? I go for a jog every day. Do you? I've been feeling fast lately, but now... Feeling very fast and also <laughs> kind of hot too. It is perfect time for it. <laughs> perfect time. I'm feeling fast and hot. They're the two best combinations you could feel as a bloke. <laughs> well, they definitely uh, see Massive you, thank you, Shoe Grab. Nah, Shoe Grab are awesome. Actually, a partner of, of Bloke Podcast. Yes. Massive supporters and uh, we're supporters of Shoe Grab. So I'll tell you what, the missus might not let me out of the house and these bad boys. I'm pretty sure I was one of the first ever customers of Shoe Grab. I'm, I'm, I'll double check with that after the show with Jay, but. Um, uh, he's gone on quite the journey, man. So shout out to Shoe Grab. Best in the business, baby. 100%. What do you go for your jogs? Um, I'm not going to tell you that. It's, it's private. <laughs> it's not, I'll tell look, everyone. <laughs> look, people that see me run past, they're like, but it's not private. It's in a public spot. But it's it's a mentally private moment for me. Mm. So like, I'm the beak to everyone else. But when I'm running, I'm just denning. Yeah, that's true. I'm just denning. I just want to be denning. Yeah, you know, well, just well, an anonymous sense. guy with a big nose running down the street. <laughs> I don't want to be the beak. You know what I mean? Have you ever considered getting a nose job? Has it ever been uh, a of course kind of, it has. has it always been like a bit self conscious? Have you been self conscious about it? Are you serious? Of course. It's called the Eminem theory. And what the Eminem theory is this is if you just insult yourself, they got no Cut, ammo, baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've yeah. taken the ammo out of your gun, That's baby. So true. What are you going to do? I just call myself a big nose loser. <laughs> what, what else you got on me? <laughs> Nothing. Thank you. Um, yeah, of course. Definitely self conscious about it. I think that, uh, uh, to be honest, and like all jokes aside, that there is a part of that. If you know, you, if you mm. just banter with yourself, then then people kind of just go, oh, yeah, sweet. Um, but there's also like, I do want listeners, if they're, they're self-conscious about something, just just be forthright with it and mm. just accept it. Just think this is who you are, this is what you look like, for you know, for better or worse. Um, and if you can joke about it yourself, it just, it softens the blow when people say things. 100%. Now, I'll tell you what, randoms calling you like, oh man, your nose is bigger in person. Like that still stinks a little bit. <laughs> so like, I don't even know you. Um, <laughs> that is pretty harsh. Yeah, but it's it's all in good fun. And, and uh, yeah, I, I, as I said, in all seriousness, people with, you know, whether it's big ears, big nose, whatever it is, whatever you've got an insecurity about, everyone's got an insecurity about something. Like the most beautiful women in the world don't think they look good. They think they look fat or they think they, mm. you know, are ugly or this or that or they don't like their eyebrows well, or every single person. That's the problem with society. Like we're always chasing perfection and unfortunately it doesn't exist. Yeah. And we're kind of always kind of sold to of you need this thing to replace something. This mm. this thing will make you better. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, like I, to my listeners, I always want them to feel like, okay, this, this I feel insecure about this, but it's just who I am and it's okay. Have a bit of a laugh about it embrace it it's part of who you are and that's why basically there was a comment called um there's a comment years ago the people's beak and so i saw that and i was i thought it was funny i thought it was great because i am the people's beak you know i'm leading from the front baby <laughs> um, we should make a team uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh the best beaks going around in the game <laughs> so, you know what it is though? i reckon it's, i got a decent one uh, mate you know what it is though it's god made me aerodynamic to be fast so it's like a benefit. 100%. Would have I scored the paratri if I didn't have this beak? Absolutely not. Um, <laughs> We've got to so, bring that up. So, yeah, I saw a comment called the people's beak. 
And I just was like, just embrace it, bro. Like, yeah. call yourself the beak. Um, yeah, now people love it. When you first start, like, you're obviously one of the first pioneers to step into the world of podcasts. Well, in, in rugby in league. In, in rugby, rugby league. Well, I should say in sport in general. Like, there yeah. wasn't many sports podcasts going around. So yeah. um, you have definitely illuminated the path for a lot. Mm. Um, how did you step into that? Uh, basically, was working a job uh, out in Maroolan, which is an above-ground mine. And I have always been a consumer of content. Now, back then, this wasn't called content. No, you didn't it call it. It was just like, you know, radio or whatever. Um, and so even when I was quite young, you know, I used to play video games a lot. Basically, I would play sport all week, and then I'd just go home and play video games. We didn't actually have reception at our house for um, free-to-air TV. Mm. And... So that gave me a lot. Well, we don't have air free to have TV. When I get home, what do I watch? What do I do? I loved video games at that time. Uh, and that was my introduction to the internet. And I almost brought up on the internet to a degree. Mm. Uh, and, you know, I was there in the early days, you know, your LimeWire days, your WinAmp days. How good was LimeWire? So nostalgic. Um, and so MSN, ICQ. A lot of people won't know that, but the old I message, don't. <laughs> ICQ used to come message you, come through and be like, oh, you see, trust me. There's going to be about three people listening to this podcast that are going to go, holy crap, I remember ICQ. You used to be, like, be at school all day and there'd be a girl that you have a crush on. You literally wouldn't speak to her all day and you'd only speak to her on ICQ. And then you'd see her in the school the next day, wouldn't speak to her, go on ICQ. It was similar like MSN, but... MSN as well, <laughs> MSN as well. Um, anyway, so yeah, grew up on the internet. So I'd always been like really... I, I'm a big believer that like gaming mm. is usually at the forefront of content um, and... I think it's I think it's been true for quite a while now, um, and yeah. So I've always been into content in that that extent. I actually was going to start a YouTube channel in 2011. Wow. Um, and I just didn't do it because I was playing footy, and you know, back then, you know, <laughs> could you imagine it? Could you imagine in 2011 an NRL mm. player starting a YouTube channel? I can't, oh, I can't imagine it. You absolutely get sprayed for that way. You won't you won't survive. You will not survive. <laughs> Um, I mean, they probably ripped me contract up. <laughs> like, what is this guy doing? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so I was going to start a YouTube channel. I cleaned out all my second uh, room at the time, like the second bedroom, yeah. and was like planning this little studio. And, like, and then I just never followed through with it. Um, <clears throat> anyway, so so that was like I even have there's a there's a channel that I created that was going to be the channel, um, and yeah, I just never followed through with it. And basically. I'd stayed in touch with content to a degree, quit footy around 2000 and I don't know, 13, 14, started my electrical apprenticeship. And then I was consuming a lot of podcasts, Joe Rogan, Sam Harris, Tim Ferriss were the main ones. Yeah. Um, and then I was always, I, I really enjoyed it because, you know, work was so monotonous, so monotonous. And you shouldn't do this. This is work, workplace health and safety. You should not do this. Um, but what I would do is, is I would have, because it was so cold, you'd have to wear like balaclavas and stuff. It was, it was oh, yeah. freezing cold. And I'd have a beanie on and wireless headphones that would go underneath the beanie with my hard hat on. And so whilst I was working, I was just in a podcast all day, like cutting ties, pulling cable, that kind of stuff. And then I was like, man, I feel like I, like I didn't know whether I could do it, but I was like, I just need a creative outlet. Like this is so monotonous and boring to me. I don't enjoy any of this work. I was like, maybe if I started interviewing people, mm. um, that would be fun. Be cool just to try it, see what happens. And then I was like, okay, but if I just interview people, like anyone with a good story, then I'm competing with guys like Joe Rogan, Tim Ferriss, mm. that kind of stuff. And it sounds crazy, like competing with Joe Rogan, but you got to understand at this stage, there's barely any podcasts around. So you 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 would be to a degree. Yeah. Now, would have I been picked up as quick, quickly as him? Probably not. But where uh, an area where it had no competition and I had a leg up on everyone was rugby league and sport in Australia. 
And so I was like, well, that's my point of difference. I know the boys. Well, some of the boys, like I was, I only played like 40 games. So it wasn't like I was a big dog either. Um, that's my point of difference. I was like, okay, that's what I'll do. I'll interview NRL players and get their stories out there because I always hear this kind of negative stigma around rugby league players. And don't mm. get me wrong, we're, we do silly stuff and we're not perfect. Mm. But No one is. I'll, exactly. But a lot of fans, they just don't know the players. And so I was like, I want the fans to be able to see these people, listen to them and be like, oh, that's like, I actually kind of like that person or whatever. And yeah, I, so I decided yeah, I'll do that. But then I, so I bought everything on a credit card, couldn't afford it at all. I'm on apprentice, mature, mature apprenticeship wages. Um, so I bought everything, spent thousands of dollars. So it would have been like- Do you know how much <clears throat> back then? Maybe five or $6,000. That's everything like laptop, lighting, <laughs> cameras, backdrop. So the media pop-up walls. And then I sat on it for like six months because I was like, oh. Shitting yourself, eh? Should I do it? Should yeah. I not do it? And, and I'm the kind of person that once I start something, like you're all in. Yeah. I'm not a like start something guy and then stop it a month later. Um, and then the first one, I was like, you know what? I've just got to go. I've just got to do it. So my first ever episode was with Bo Ryan. He didn't know what a podcast was. He was a mate. He still is a mate. And it was actually, I had two laptops underneath the table and two webcams using two webcams to film it. <laughs> <laughs> and because I love Joe Rogan so much, I actually had this like cool blue light like coming up the backdrop to make it look cool. <laughs> it is awesome. And like you can still find the interview on the- now, Have uh, you seen Joe Rogan's first few podcasts? Yeah, that's oh, terrible. terrible. <laughs> These are mine are worse, trust me. Um, and you could just like so nervous in front of the mic. So like I'd never even interviewed anyone. That yeah. was the first time I'd ever interviewed anyone and it was Bo Ryan. And I'm always grateful to Bo Ryan because at the time he was the man like on the footy show. He's still mm. doing, killing it now, mm. but he was on the footy show. And yeah, that was my first episode. Well, you caught onto something because like the only piece of content you would get and uh, exposure to players was through mainstream mainstream media. Yeah. And as you would know, when you speak to a journalist, you're not going to open up as much no. as you are with like someone you actually uh, share the footy field with or ex teammate, whatever that might be. Yeah. So, but there was not much. Like, why did you want to delve into it? Like, obviously, you just said it yourself. There wasn't much going around, but there wasn't much return coming back to you in terms mm. of you know obviously sponsorship yeah. stuff like that. You have to really like get the runs on the board. So, yeah. what made you stick at it? Um, I just believe, so from the get-go, I was like, most businesses, the hardest part is exposure. Yeah. Like, so whatever you're in, whether it's in, you know, retail or wh whatever it is, the hardest part is the marketing. So most businesses, especially in retail, their biggest spend is in marketing. Mm. I was like, if you could create your own platform, you know, advertise your own businesses off it, that's zero dollars in marketing that you could eventually be spending. And so I understood that that hadn't been done before, but the internet had given us the power to do that. So I was like, why don't I build my own platform and then use my own business on it? So I said, best case scenario, it kicks off and I get to do a beer or, or whatever it ends up being. Worst case scenario, it just goes okay. A thousand, two thousand downloads an episode. Um, but I can advertise my electrical company on it. So that was like, that was the worst case scenario of, okay, it didn't really work out, but it's still, you know what, advertising to 2,000 people is much for free is much better than advertising to zero people. True. Um, and luckily it worked out best case scenario. Like, we, you know, we built the platform and we we had this huge community that, you know, loves bloke and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it just seemed to, seemed to work. With marketing, how do you, like, <coughs> show the value of exposure? Like, a lot of businesses, you know, like, there's a lot of players out there that, you know, they want to link up with brands and stuff mm. like that, but they don't know how to kind of, you know, how do you measure it? Well, like, it's, it just depends on what company you're dealing with. You know, there might be some companies that just want brand exposure. So that way you go, like, this is the numbers that we reach. This is the demographics we're hitting. You know, it's 18 mm. to 35 male, whatever that is. There's other companies that go, um, 
we want revenue generated, like genuine revenue generated. And the real good the, a way to measure that is like, all right, give us a code that gives us gives our community 10% off or free shipping or whatever it is. And that usually is a really good way to measure um, how successful an advertising campaign has been. I mean, there was one campaign that we had recently that like 40,000 codes were used. Wow. Um, and that was just in a season. So it's like, what, six months or whatever? Uh that's, that's crazy. huge, that's massive. huge, yeah. um, and that's that's a real hard feedback of like the the audience listen. They listen to what we say. They're not, it's not like normal TV or whatever where when ads come on, you just kind of tune out, you know, because th- th- because they've, you've built up the trust with that audience where you go, okay, you know me as a person. Would I put forward to you a product that isn't at least quality? Do I necessarily use it or not use it? Mm. Mostly, I do use it, but if I don't use it, do I think it's a good product that you could use? Yeah. Very rarely am I going to get on a podcast and be like, um, you know, come on, you got to go out and buy this product unless I thought it was at least decent. Or it was like, let's say I'm advertising something that's like a sport or whatever. I may not watch that sport, but I know that it's a decent sport that you may want to watch. Mm. But I'm not going to get on there and advertise like something that I disagree with, something that I just don't think that's, you know, right or whatever. And we've said no to things like that. Um, And I think that as long as you keep that trust with the audience, that's much more valuable than just going, you know what, I'll sell you anything and I don't, I don't care. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of how you can show the value to, to brands for sure. I mean, and brands are still really reluctant, mm. even though it seems so obvious to everyone in a pot, like, guys, just, just give it a crack. But it's going to turn, like massively going to turn. Um, it'll just be a race to whether will the brands get on board first or will the big media companies get on board first so will the media companies like you know your your foxes and all that kind of stuff will they go okay we're losing too much brand revenue from these podcasts we're going to go buy the podcast or will brands go all right we're actually not getting bang for buck enough from big you know media networks we'll go to podcasts so whichever happens first will dictate the future of podcasts in the country because if brands come first to podcasting, then as a podcast, you're like, I don't need to sell. Why would I sell? I'm generating huge exactly. revenue mm. and I get to own it. But if, if uh, networks come first, you go, well, of course I'm going to sell. I'll get this huge chunk of change. I don't have to stress about it anymore. And then, then I think networks will come first because they're going to see the revenue. Because basically, you're, you're uh, let's say you're a network. Yep. Let's say there's 10 NRL podcasts out there. Yep. They're growing, they're growing, they're growing. Let's say over the next 10 years, they'll together they'll generate... I don't know, $100 million just as a random number. They wouldn't, but we'll just say yeah. it's a random number. Yeah. They've got a, let's say they went out and bought those podcasts for a total of $100 million and they shut them all down. That sounds insane, insane. But you've got to remember they were going to lose $100 million. So they've essentially broken even, if not long-term. I think long-term they actually benefit. They're actually going to benefit. Yeah. Now, imagine if you buy those and you just keep them. You keep the podcast, you shut down five of them, you keep five of them that generate a lot of income They've, they may have spent 100 million, but they've just, they're going to make 300 million. Mm. And so it's just going to be a matter of like what happens first. How is your relationship with like all the networks and big media organizations? Really good, actually. Really yeah. good. I, um, of course, like, of course, there's parts of the mainstream media that I disagree with. I think like everyone. Yep. But I, I've always been of the mind like this is still run by people that just like me or you, journalists, people in the media, they're just human beings yep. trying to do their job. Yep. Of course, there are parts of, mainstream media that I definitely don't, I guess, align with. But again, there's also parts of um, alternative or, you know, new media that I also disagree with, you know. So, 
Um, it's been really good actually, and they actually haven't really. Um, have, there's been no negativity towards bloke because we can coexist. We really can coexist. Um, we both off, offer different things, and yeah, it's been pretty good to be honest. I feel like there's some players out there that are just so anti-media, and I feel mm. like unfortunately, like you can't get rid of them. They're part of the game, mm. and they will be part of the game. You know, when I'm long gone, but. Uh, I feel I feel like they should use the media to their advantage. Like, yeah, sometimes there might be an article out there that they don't really agree with, but they can't use that one article and just be, you know, anti-media. I'm not, I'm not going to talk to the media anymore, blah, 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 blah. So that's a very, very, very well, good point. It's, it's tough because, like, I get it. When you get a bad story written about you, you're like, man, are you serious? Like, that, whatever. That's, what, that's ego speaking. Yeah. You know but I mean? you've got to ask yourself, are the media going anywhere? No, they're not. Mm. And also, the media help the game. It's it is just the way it is. They they they, they put in so much money into it. Mm. So you can either use it to your advantage, or not use it at all. But they're still going to write the story. Yeah. So exactly. You lose regard if you don't if you're anti-media forever. You lose. You know. And look, you might just be a footy player. that's like I'm okay with that. I don't want to build a brand. Then that's fine. That's mm. fine. But if you are looking to build your brand or your profile. You just got to kind of try to lean into it and understand mm. that as long as there's nothing too egregious, it's just it's part of the game. They do support the game. They spend a lot of money on it. You can't deny that. Yes, there's bad eggs, but there's bad eggs in everything. Everything exactly right. Um, yeah, it, it's tough though because there there are certain superstars that I do feel once they get once you know some people in the media realize that they can generate clicks. They go, boom, that's mm. that's the guy. Anytime I need a story or something happens, he's the guy I go use to generate the clicks. Um, so that that is sad. Like I do wish everyone could get a fair crack. And there's a difference between having an opinion and then also creating like, I guess, fake stress on players sometimes. Unfortunately, just negative headlines just get more clicks. That's just the way it is. It is, it is. And so, look, everyone can choose to do what they want. But I, if you want to build your brand, you eventually going to have to accept that the media's here, they're not going anywhere, and also they do fund a lot of the game. Now, could they be better? For sure, absolutely. Um, but it's hard to say, could could the media be better when in reality it's like one or like two or three people that are, whereas when you speak to a lot of players, like for example yourself, I'm sure there are journos that you would happily take their phone call and go, mate, he's a bit of a legend. Like he's actually a decent bloke. Is yeah. that fair? Yeah, oh, I've got a great relationship with the media. You know, yeah. like there was a, I think I've been pretty lucky. I've only had probably like one or two kind of articles that I didn't agree with, but I actually called those journalists and approached yeah. them about it and told them what the go, what's the go. Yeah. And after I approached them, had a chat with them, that's it. I squashed it. You know yeah. what I mean? Moved on. Human being. Yeah, like we moved on. Yeah. Like, uh, and again, like I'm, I'm lucky. You know, I've only had two kind of stories, but there's other players that have had multiple. See, that's multiple. a little bit different. Where you're going. So about. I can't relate to that, and I'm, yeah. I understand where they're coming from, but I go back to the same thing. Yeah, they're going to be there regardless. So yeah. you either try and form relationships with them and and uh, use them to your advantage, like you said. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, for sure. Like definitely parts of the media that we could be better at, for sure. There's no, there's absolutely no denying that. But it is what it is, you know. So back to the podcast journey. Obviously, mm. you laid the foundation with uh, the locker room. Yeah. How long after that did you rebrand and call it and the bloke of the bar was born? Oh, man. Okay, so would have been... Would have been maybe two and a half years, and I, I, so it wasn't like a, a, an intended rebranding. It was more so. Shandorel wanted to. He messaged me and he was like, "Mate, I'd love to do a show with you." Blah blah blah. And I was like, "Oh yeah, sweet man." He's like, "You know, we can talk about footy." And at that time, I was like, "Listen, I'm probably not confident enough to be able to critique the boys without coming off like negative. I never wanted to be an ex-player that's just ripping into the yeah, boys." Yeah, and I'm you're the like, same. Hang on, on bro you were way worse than them. And then you're, you're standing on your high horse t- saying how bad they are. It's like, 
back in your day, there were no camera phones in that. You mm. guys, we know you were way worse. So that frustrates me sometimes when I see it. And look, there's not all of them do it. No. And also, there's there's a difference between critiquing a bloke's form and like ripping into a yeah. bloke. So if you if you're an ex-player critiquing form, like we critique form, there's nothing wrong with that. It's sometimes when you just like, wow, that's a bit heavy. Laying the boot in. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, I don't I don't want to be that guy. And so, so I said, listen, this is what we can do. I'll edit everything. I'll film it all for you. I'll do everything for you. You just sit down and you can talk footy. And he's like, okay, yeah, sweet. And so I was like, listen, let me think of a name for the show and then I'll, you know, um, get back to you. Uh, and, yeah, and eventually I come up with the name Bloke in a Bar. Um, and then, yeah, started that show um, with Shandor. And initially it was Shandor, Drahl, Yali and Eric Groth, Jr., can I just say there's all wingers here? So a bit of bias there, huh? Hey. All these wingers, you just tossed oh, it up. Oh, mate. Bo Ryan, your first you know, We're all good blokes. <laughs> yeah, we are why. good blokes. We just misunderstood. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and that's what I'm trying to get the story out there that wingers actually, it, footy players hang around with wingers too. <laughs> Everyone says wingers hang around with footy players. Well, they're hanging around with us as well. <laughs> they, don't, they don't leave. Jeez, we're asking you that bad. Um, anyway, so we, yeah, we did that and um, eventually it got hard to like, that because they had their own stuff going on, so it's hard to get them to do it each time. And so eventually, I got to the point where I was like, you know what, Shandra, I'll jump on with you. Um, and at that's and around that stage, I was like, you know what, I'm gonna do the beer, got bloke in a bar. Um, and basically, yeah, that that kept kind of going for a while. And then I opened the bar and we pulled back a little bit from it um, because I was just so busy. Bar on Gold Coast on the Gold Coast. Yep. Um, and then I kind of started it just – then Shandor, he got really busy. Oh, he, he got busy and he was trying to build back towards getting back to the NRL. Yep. So then it was finally enough. Like at the start, I was like, I don't want to be critiquing the boys, blah, blah, blah. By the end of it, it was literally just me doing it. They weren't all doing it. Um, so it was just me talking footy. Uh, and then that's how it carried through. The bloke in a bar was actually supposed to just be the review stuff, not the player interviews. Uh-huh. And the locker room was the player interviews. Um, and then, yeah, it all just kind of grew, grew, grew. And then Bloke in a Bar caught on as a kind of name and it was a cool name that mm. people could kind of relate to. Mm. And then I was just like, you know what, I'll just call everything Bloke in a Bar. But finally enough on Facebook, it's still called The Locker Room because I can't change the name. They won't let me bloody change the name. Why is that? I don't know. Oh, I've got no idea. They're too big maybe. The page is too the big. algorithms and stuff. Yeah, I don't know. Steve Jobs <laughs> reaching out from his grave, <laughs> hold me back, even though he's not with Facebook, but whatever. <laughs> Did you ever consider yourself as an entrepreneur? Like, I literally hate that word. Why? Because it's like. But you are, but. But it like, bro. Don't be humble. You no, don't have to not, be. Like, I'll be arrogant. Ass. <laughs> I'll be arrogant. I'm, I'm not afraid to be arrogant, baby. <laughs> but it's just like I feel like that word's been tainted mm. by the whole. I wake up every day at four a.m. and fucking do thousand push-ups and ice cold baths and like you got to grind to the death. <laughs> fuck life. Fuck feelings. <laughs> Fuck your family. That's like that's the whole yarn. It's like, bruh, relax. You don't need to do that. Yeah, you need to work hard, but like, oh, like, oh man, I was grinding sixty hours a week. Oh, bruh, go out into the mines. There's blokes and shields working sixty hours a week every. Like, there's plenty of people that work hard. Like, a bit shut of perspective, up, right? Like, give me a break. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think you'll find most, not most, but the okay, the very successful businessmen that I have, businessmen and women that I have spoken to, mm. they don't really, um connect with that kind of stuff I, I just see myself as a guy that i just yeah i'm, I'm just working i'm just working but I, I understand like technically entrepreneur but i don't know I, I if you had said that to me five six maybe even ten years ago i'd go yeah for sure but now it's just like so tainted with the, such carry on like mm. oh my god <laughs> it used to come through my feed and look i think i think that phase is over yeah but like the whole grind to your die shut up bro and like oi 
I woke up at 3 a.m. this morning. Yeah, because you went to bed at friggin' 6 a day before, bro. We all sleep eight hours. And if you don't there sleep eight hours, you're going to die. There is a bit you're of You're going to literally die. So you can grind your dick off and you can die when you're 40. <laughs> and I'll be sipping wine in friggin' Tuscany with the wife. That sounds nice. Sounds nice to me. <laughs> that sounds really nice. And I get to wake up around 7 o'clock. <laughs> So it's all good, baby. <laughs> no, I, I, it's a little bit in. I'm being a bit facetious. Mm. I, I understand that, like, it is good for motivation for a lot of people and, um, you know, all those quotes and stuff. It's just it's just not my vibe. It's not my yeah. vibe. But I do know that people find value in it. So I'm just being a bit – there's an entrepreneur listening right now. Don't, like, create a business to kill me. Well, I'll spin it another way. Like, obviously, the hardest thing about, you know, playing rugby league is retirement and yeah. life after footy. Like, you, you know, just took that on and obviously started a great career after, after footy. Mm. But what kind of tips could you give for footy players that are on the verge of stepping yeah, out? Yeah, or even just like people, I guess. And it feels always feels weird, like giving tips. You know, like as if I've got it all sorted out. Like I don't have it all figured out. I, I'm still relatively new, and I've only been doing this, you know, for five, six years now. Veteran. Um, yeah. Well, so what was it? 2015 started. Eight years now. Um, but I still feel like I don't feel like I'm the guy that has the knowledge. Whereas, like, if you said to me, "Let's speak about sport." I'd be very confident of like, I do know sport, but I, I guess my tip would be, um, you, what would you do if you couldn't fail is always a question you need to ask yourself. What would you do if you couldn't fail? And the answer you give yourself is probably very different to what you're actually doing. You know, we often live in ourselves with what we think we're not capable of. And I think that that's, uh, I wouldn't say limiting mindset. It's a natural mind. It's a safe mindset mm. and you get advice from people and, some people think that that advice is, is negative of like, oh, make sure you, you know, finish your apprenticeship or whatever. But that's just people trying to look out for you. They yeah. want a safe environment for you to make sure that you're okay, you're taken care of. There's nothing wrong with, you know, playing it safe. Um, but a lot of people create uh, scenarios in their head that don't exist. So, for example, let's say I'll just use real estate agent. Let's say you're a real estate agent right now, you're 23 years old. Yep. And you're like, oh, I want to try this other thing. You're like, oh, but I'll lose my job. But like... And so what? You know, okay. So you lose your job and let's say it's 80 grand a year. Mm. You lose your job. You, does that job not exist in three or four years if you give this a crack? Can, you can't go pour beer somewhere if you need to earn a bit of extra. You know what I mean? Like there's so many ways if you're willing to work hard to generate a bit of income. And if you go, and that was the whole, with, when I started my podcast, I, I was, my idea was two years. It was two years to give it a crack. And it had the worst case scenario. The worst case scenario was I'd just continue my electrical apprenticeship and advertise you know, and if I if that failed, I just go back and work. And I, so I think that people create like they fear in their head of like, oh, I'll lose my job, and you know, then I'll be out of this, or I won't have this. And it's it's the like, field that I'm known, though. Yeah, and so you just got to say, ask yourself, would it really be that bad? Like, let's say you walk in tomorrow and you quit your job. I'm not telling people go quit their job on a mass. I, I actually think that you should keep your job and then work the thing on the side. Mm. But let's say you did. Are you, is it really going to be world ending for you? Now, it's very different if you've got a family, kids, a mortgage. That's that's a different, you know, yeah, argument yeah. to have for sure. But if you're a relatively young person with, you know, a partner and you just rent a place, you know, save a little bit of extra coin and then you go, all right, I'm going to start this part-time on the side. And then when I feel like I'm getting to the point where I can earn enough money, I'm just going to go all in. And if it doesn't work out, I'll go back to my old work and say, hey, you know, would is there any job? If they say no, you go to somewhere else. I think just people create scenarios in their head that actually aren't reality, mm. um, which is understandable because it's natural for humans to always take the easiest path of this is safe, this is what I know, I can guarantee a, you know, a check coming through in the next you know, week or two weeks or whatever it is. 
so yeah, just ask yourself, like, what would you do if you couldn't fail? And it's not, it's never as good as you think it is, but it's definitely never as bad as you think it is. Mm. How did you do your transition from rugby league? Yeah, it definitely struggled, but that was more around identity, like identifying as I'm an athlete. You know, that's what I am. That's what I was put on this earth to do. Uh, and when you quit footy, you and I'll be honest, like I still haven't really lost that identity. But deep down, I identify as an athlete. Um, obviously, I'm not. Um, especially if you watch me run at the moment, just you just slow, you, slow. you just say you're running awesome. I know, <laughs> but that's just that's entrepreneur talk. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to inspire. I'm trying to inspire. You have bro. to exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I don't even know what I was just saying then. <laughs> I got lost in the entrepreneurial flow. <laughs> I did as well, to be honest with you. Mate. Your transition from footy. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, definitely str- struggle with identity. Like, if, if I'm not a footy player, then what am I? What's what's the point of me even being here? Like, mm. this is what I was made to be. Not necessarily a footy player, but an athlete. That's just because since I was five, four, like, my whole life was dedicated around, you know, during the, the week, you train, on the weekend, everything is focused towards the game. It was soccer, obviously, till mm. I was 17. And so when you lose that, you're like, what could fulfill me? What's my purpose? Where can I make a mark? Where can I have impact? Like, where can I feel like it's a life that I've lived, you know, not just gone through the motions. And that was something that I really struggled with doing my electrical apprenticeship. <laughs> we used to, probably the worst workmate in the history of mankind, especially for the older guys. because I we hate used to, dealing with wires. I hate it. I wasn't a warrior. It was probably worse, actually. Um, so we would get on site. We had to live this Laha. So we had to live away from home in this like shitty motel. And so we'd get on work site and we had to drive like, I don't know, 800 meters a K out in these little buses to where we were working. And I would always be like, man, there's got to be more to life than this. <laughs> and the boys, the young boys would be like, yeah, bro. And then the old boys were like, man, shut up. Stop ruining our day, bro. While you're staring out the window and just <laughs> yeah. contemplating life. Oh, man. So like... And, and I actually have a lot of respect for people that can just put that aside and go, no, I've got, I've got to earn money for my family or whatever. Like that takes a lot of mental strength, but I didn't have that mental strength. I was just like, I just, I can't imagine myself doing this for the rest of my life. I need to do something. But you, you know, day to day, you're a rugby league player. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you're living the dream and then you went to that. So that obviously would have taken its toll. And that's the thing that like a lot of, um, I guess, outside looking in, you don't realize, but every week, as an NRL player, it's it's almost like do or die. Like every single week is like Compete. we are leading up to something hectic. Like yeah. I wouldn't say not going to war in the real sense, but going to war in the metaphorical sense of like every week is leading up to something so big. Like it's this huge achievement. Yes. And then it starts again the next week. And then again, so every single week you have like infinite amount of purpose. Whereas in when you, you know, go into the normal work for workforce, usually it's more, it's longer term goals, you know. It's pretty stagnant. Six months, a year, two, three years. So you've got to get out of that mindset of extreme, like, you know, boys going all, going all. Mm. You walk in an office on a Monday and fucking Barry, he's been on the beers for three days. He can't even see straight. It used to be like that. <laughs> <laughs> I believe, but not now. Like the workforce, the trade, he's bloody, he can keep his eyes open at the, at the meeting at the start of the day. Um, so, like, you know, that same kind of zest for what they're doing, it's mm. just not there. So it's it's just different. It's very different. And so people always say, oh, what's harder, like working a normal job or footy? I say, it's just so different. It's hard, the monotony of a normal job of doing the same thing every day. Mm. But the physicality, the mental pressure, the, the ability to just constantly redlining all the time, that's the tough thing about NRL player. Yeah, well, all right, you got me thinking now. <laughs> 
Getting the entrepreneur. You're making me nervous. <laughs> <laughs> so why beer? Why, what, what beer? Like, why well, did you want to yeah, come up with your own beer? Footy podcast, what do footy fans love? Beer. beer. That simple. Really that simple. Are um, you a beer lover yourself? I mean, I definitely enjoy beer, for yeah, sure. Yeah. But I'm not like some connoisseur sitting there going, oh, this is this hops and blah, blah, blah. No, not at all. But beer, bloke beer is about moments. That's It's about making you feel good. It's about when you put that beer in your hand, it's obviously a nice tasting beer, but it's more about you put it and the boys, you're all having it together and you're, you're just experiencing a fun moment with your mates. That's what I think beer is really for. It's about the social side of things. Creating there's, memories. There's, yeah, exactly. There, there's absolutely a market and it you know exists it's huge for you want to taste different things have a different aftertaste or a different you know bit in whatever it is um a different style of beer there's definitely a mark for that but blokes more focused on just having a good beer in your hand sitting down with your mates watching sport that's really what it's focused on did you surprise yourself on how much it's kicked off um yeah i, I guess but it's just like footy bro when you you're in, when you're in it you're just in it so yeah. you're just ticking over but when you look back, you know, and must be satisfying. Yeah, it, it, for sure, for sure. I mean, it hasn't been easy. It's been a, it's been a slog. There's been massive up and downs, a lot of stress. Um, but yeah, when you sit there and go, if if ten years ago I could say, oh, this is what you'll have right now, you'd be like, that's insane. Yeah. Like, what? Are you serious? Um, and I, I, it one moment that like really always brings me back to that was my grandfather. He was very, um, he was quite sick and, you know, very close to passing away. And, um, you know, he was just, he couldn't believe that his grandson had a beer. And I just think that's like, it was such evidence to me of this generational gap of there's so much opportunity for us. Whereas like his generation, like if to start your own beer, like that's impossible. Only rich, only rich people do that. Yeah. That's, that's for people that have been in money forever. And it was literally, you know, the last thing he said to me, and I shook his hand, he said, good luck with the beer. And it was a good firm handshake. And then he passed away a few days later. Um, and that always reminds me of how lucky that I am that we have a beer and we have this podcast because the generations that came before us, they didn't have this opportunity. Like my, my other grandfather, he was down working in coal mines when he was 14. Mm. He drove taxis like 60, 70 hours a week just so my dad could graduate school, just so he could graduate. Like, think about that. That was his achievement was his son graduated school and made sure that my father went to uni. And then my dad, he used to drive an hour and a half to work every morning, an hour and a half back just so that he could afford to pay for us to do all these sporting activities. That super, like we, we didn't have it. We had to use to this thing called Condi Crystals. So we used to make state, go to nationals, all that kind of stuff. We didn't have any money where my, our parents used to sell us that spikes are for um, our we're not old enough for spikes yet. Our muscles aren't ready for them. And so we believed them. But in reality, we couldn't afford to buy everyone spikes. So we would dip our stuff, our feet in this thing called Condi's crystals. It was purple. It would harden the bottom of your feet. And then we would strap our feet and we would be running barefoot on tartan. And there's actually state titles where like photos um, of winning state titles, like my brother in bare feet with the Condi's crystals. So that's how far, like think about the sacrifice from you know, my mum's mum, my dad's dad, their parents' parents, and how I have just gotten lucky off what they sacrificed. I'm the one that's reaping all the rewards. Mm. Like that, they're the ones that had no nothing, like grinded from the bottom to where they are now. 
And so I think it's always really important. That always brings me back when I start to take things for granted yeah. and go, oh, yeah, this is just expected. It's like, no, it's actually not. You're actually standing on the shoulders of people that went through way – like my grandfathers both went to war, all that kind of stuff. One of my grandfathers ratted to Brook. Like all those things I'm reaping the benefits of. So anytime I feel like I'm getting a bit ahead of myself, I really try to just pull me back a little bit and go, hang on a sec, mate. Like you would be absolutely nothing without much better men and women than yourself right now. That's so deep. Really? Oh, God, man. I was, yeah, yeah. You weren't ready for that? I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> that. That was awesome. I just man. caught, you know what? I was caught in a slipstream with a beak. <laughs> I think we're in a slipstream right now, a big slipstream. We've got really deep in that rabbit hole. We're in a fucking beak cyclone. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I really enjoyed that. But, so we've spoken about a lot about post footy. Mm. Let's talk about your playing days. Mm. Um, was there any club in particular that you really enjoyed playing with? The Broncos, they, they have my heart. They're my first love. They gave my opportunity. Mm. I'm a quite a loyal guy too. I, mm. I, I think, um, yeah, I struggle. You know what? I'm a sentiment, not a sentimental guy of like, I kept a hair from a chick I was with when I was 18 years old, like weirdo stuff. <laughs> That's a bit creepy. Exactly. That's not sentimental, bro. That's creepy. If you still got your ex's fucking hairbrush, throw it out. Relax. <laughs> and also that restraining order that's coming your way, you deserve it. Um, but, but like, for example... <laughs> we <You> broke me. <laughs> we I'm so like when I find something that I like, I struggle to like ever move on from that. So like for example, we we used to live in Alexandria, and I have a run. I had a run path that I would do every day. That's the path that I'd run. And so uh, when we moved out to Cronulla, I would drive back into Alexandria to do that path because I I felt like sad leaving it. I didn't want to leave it. So that's kind of – and that's like that relates to obviously Broncos. Like that was the first mm. – they gave me an opportunity. Like when you think back to it now, you're like they brought in a guy to the reserve Broncos squad at, at 17, 18 years old that was a soccer player and they knew he was a soccer player and they still gave me a fair – like a fair, fair crack. Literally in the first year I was playing reserve grade Broncos. Like that's – like I didn't realise it at the time but I didn't – there's a lot of politics in rugby league. Massive. What – like – who did you make state in under 16s? Did you make state in under 18s? Who's your manager? Do you have all this footage of you killing it against? I, I was so ignorant to that that I didn't even realize that when I was getting these opportunities, there were boys around me that were pissed off because they're like, we don't even know who this guy is. You're an outsider. Yeah, I'm a, like, well, he has, he's never played footy growing up, didn't make any of the state sides, not in any assistance. We can't even look to who was his club team. And so I didn't even realize that that was happening. I was pissing people off because they were going, Mate, I'm in QIS, I'm in this, I'm in that. And he's literally getting in the resis before me. And then a year after that, I'm playing NRL. And so the the risk or the um, opportunity that the Broncos gave me and Wayne Bennett's belief and Ivan Henjak's and John Dixon's, uh, Michael Hancock was another big believer – like I'll be forever grateful for that. Forever, they had no right to to give a soccer player the time they did, and so I'll always be grateful for that. Why did you transition to rugby league from soccer? Well, so I basically I was playing soccer, you know, pretty very seriously. So I used to play with Dario Vitasic. He's obviously a you know we used to make state together, all that kind of stuff. Um, and I was at the Brisbane Raw. What they used to call the Brisbane Lions, um, and then they changed to the Raw because they went into the A League. Anyway, so a year before the A League, I was sixteen, I think, and I was at the Brisbane Raw. Is it Queensland Raw now or Brisbane Raw? Brisbane Raw. Brisbane Raw, and it used to be Queensland Lions. Anyway, Brisbane Raw, um, and so we were going to go into the A League the next year. I was playing reserve grade for the, uh, and I was sixteen, 
And so basically I'd just gone from youth side to reserve grade kind of squad. Um, and we'd gone away for state for soccer. I'd just been over to England for soccer as well. We'd played Man United under 16s, Leeds United, Scottish under 16s. We were all 15. We actually beat Man United under 16s when we were 15 2 1. Shit. Lost to European Championships at the time, Leeds United, uh, I think 3 1 or 2 1. And we lost to Scottish national side, I think 3 1. Um, they were much more skillful, for that, skillful than us, but we were super aggressive and very fit. Like, I think much fitter than them. That's what made us like kind of even the playing field a little bit. But mm. once they start getting to that 17, 18 year olds, just all it's the work technical. they do with that technical stuff, it's mm. just a bit better than ours. Not to say we can't do it. Like, my brother went over there when he was 17 and got offered a contract from Norwich as, as a 17-year-old. So, you know, we still have the standard here in Australia. It's just a matter of, you know, are you willing to move overseas at a young age and have a go? Um, anyway, so, yeah, I was obviously playing soccer seriously. I went away to a carnival with my mates at school just to get time off school to play rugby league, and that's where I got spotted playing rugby league. They basically um, – I won this player with the most potential award or whatever. It's just in some B comp. Ter- like our front row was like 80 kilos. Like no one knew how to play. Um as a Broncos reward. And basically they said, oh, look, if you're with another club, because this is when you couldn't speak to anyone if you're with a club, um, just let us know, we won't say anything. And at the time I got the award, I was really crook, like really sick, so I didn't care. And also I had nationals for soccer, like literally a few weeks after. So I was like, I couldn't care less, like whatever. Like I was appreciative, but I was like, it doesn't mean anything to me. Mm. Anyway, eventually I told my dad when I got home and he was like, oh, we'll call the Broncos and we'll just let them know what to go with. So we called the Broncos and he said to them, oh, just so you know, this kid that's got the award for player with most potential, he doesn't play rugby league. He's actually a soccer player. So we don't know what you're talking about when you say you want him to come to some camp. And initially it was like a, just a big squad camp they wanted me to come to. When they found out that I was a soccer player, they were like, oh, we want you out. The next camp immediately, the elite camp. And it was actually my father somehow got onto Wayne Bennett and that's how that all happened. Yeah, I don't know how he got did it. Anyway, so when that happened, I also at school just mucking around had been playing some AFL. Um, and our main sports teacher and my dad, massive AFL fans, they um, had reached out to AFL and AFL had found out about this kid that seemed to be a decent athlete. Um, and basically they sat me down and said, listen, uh, we'll train you one-on-one as the, the lines at the time and we'll fast track you to the, uh, we'll fast track you to the, um, the draft and we'll train you one-on-one. Oh, so your option is soccer, obviously soccer, AFL, NRL. Then I went back to the um, Lotwood Lions and then they came, became the rule. And I said to him, look, this guy's, I've been offered this from the Broncos, this from AFL and, you know, A-League. What, what's your thoughts on it? They said, listen, you'll play A-League in probably two, two years. But obviously we understand like Brisbane Broncos is a massive club. Like we can't compete with that short term. And obviously we don't know how the A-League's going to turn out. Um, and so, yeah, I was like, you know what? Like Brisbane Broncos at the time were liter- literally the biggest sports organisation in the country. Mm. Um, my brother, who I was supposed to follow over to England, um, he got really homesick and he rejected the Norwich offer, came home, which actually being the best thing to decide because he ended up getting a stress fractures. He ended up playing soccer again, but he became a doctor instead. Oh, wow. Um, which so it's a blessing in the size where, um, you know, he's going extremely well now, like extremely well. Um, and so that kind of ruined the dream of me being with my brother in England trying to make it. Um, not ruined the dream, but that was kind of the plan. And so I was like, look, I'm, I'm probably not, I don't want to go over to England by myself. Um, the Brisbane Broncos, I had this one memory of my grandfather, Da, um, of sitting on his knee, sitting by his knee, sorry, and watching Steve Renoff and he loved the Broncos and Steve Renoff. Now he passed away before I could debut, but that was one thing I was like, you know what, like 
that's a special memory that I'm going to go to the Broncos, uh, which is funny because my dad, massive AFL, he was like the self-control he had to not push me to AFL is actually like record-breaking. Couldn't He didn't say one word. Uh, but he would always just every now and then he'd drop he'd drop the oh you'd be a, you wouldn't be a great AFL blind mate you'd be a great for it's like, yeah dad okay you think I'd be great at anything yeah, yeah. Um, and so that's why I went to uh, the Broncos um, I guess there were some times where I missed soccer a little bit yeah. but I, I moved pretty quickly to be honest I moved pretty quickly we around guys like Darren Lockyer Wayne Bennett and the rest like Petro, Petro Webkey Webke. Thorny Hodjo <laughs> K yeah craziness crazy craziness what was that like for you? You know what it, you know what it was? It was so I wasn't ungrateful. I was very grateful, but compared to how much I should have appreciated, mm. I didn't because I didn't grow up watching footy. I didn't I didn't know I I knew Darren Lockyer and I knew that these guys were good players and you know, but I didn't know anything about rugby league. So I wasn't walking in like I was just more intimidated by the first graders rather than oh that's, you know, such and such such and such because yeah, yeah. I didn't grow up, you know, Idolizing them. My yeah. my my first book I ever read was uh, David Beckham. X, the blonde hair. I grew up I watching. Bex. Man United was my team. Um, I feel sorry for you. Please give me a break. Look, <laughs> tough time at the moment. I haven't actually watched soccer in a very long time. But <laughs> look, I don't know what's doing at Manchester United. But uh, um, but yeah, Man United were my team growing up. And yeah, so they were the team. The, the Fab Five or whatever it was Giggs, Skulls, the Neville brothers, Bex. Yep. Um, so yeah. Rooney? Was Rooney down at the nah, time? No, he wasn't. No, there he yet. wasn't. He wasn't there. Cantona. Yet. He would have just been, as I was heading in, like he would have just been before me, but around the same. Roy Keane, all those good boys. Of course. Um, yeah, so it wasn't, even though I appreciated it, it wasn't until I got into rugby league a little bit to realize, like, oh, this is like the Australian side. Like, mm. this is crazy. That's when I was like, wow, wow, it's incredible. And it's like anything. I think it's when you look back on your careers, when you start really appreciating, like, that was incredible. Yeah. Like, how lucky was I to play with? Darren Lockyer. You don't realise at the time. You don't because you're just in it. They're the boys. Mm, mm. They're the boys. Like you're putting shit on each other half the time instead of going, holy shit, that's Justin Hodges, you know? That's a fucking spinner. And what, what made you <clears throat> leave the Broncos? Um, so basically they said to me at the start, oh, like a bit into the year, I was a third string winger and I felt I was a first grader at this time. Um, and it's it just bad timing. So basically when they said, oh, you're third string winger, we've got your minimum contract. So I, I had my debut year. And in my debut game, I ran for like, it was actually the record amount of meters run for a debutante at the time. And I scored like a 75 meter kick return, all this stuff. And I took unders to stay um, and was promised, okay, you'll start the year next year. And so there was a couple of years where I was taking unders out of loyalty. And then when this came around with like your third string winger, I was like, listen, I've sat around and I, I should have been more patient. I wish my manager at the time had said, mate, just stay, you're at the Brisbane Broncos, but he didn't because guess what? Who cares about money? Anyway, um, so when they said that, it was like, all right, well, if I'm a third string winger, I'll, I'll go look because I want to play first grade. So it wasn't even about like I was going to get paid more at another club, but not massive. Like I, the Bronx offered me 50K in match payments and then I ended up getting 90K, no match payments at the Warriors. So actually I would have got – if I stayed and I played all the NRL games, I actually would have got more money at the Broncos. Mm. But it was just to play first grade. But after I – so what happened was is at around two or three they said that and – I hadn't really been given enough, and I'd, I played really good in my debut year before, but I hadn't been given enough games to show what I could do. Then I started playing really, oh, well, I'd already been playing well, but I continued to get better and better and better. Then all of a sudden, the tune changed of like, oh, we've got no salary cut money, whereas before it was like, oh, we've got no salary, all that kind of stuff. But I'd already verbally agreed through my manager uh, to the Warriors. And so 
I, I just felt even though I was getting much bigger offers from other clubs um, substantially, I'd verbally given them my word. Um, hadn't signed anything, hadn't even seen a contract, but I said yes via my manager and I wasn't going to go back on my word. And if I, I could have gone back easy and said like no contract was signed, it was just a verbal yes. And I could have stayed at the Broncos because by the end of the year, they were like, we want you to stay, blah, blah. I mean, Wayne even sat me down and said, um, I'm not sure what's going on with the Warriors situation or, or the Broncos, but if you want to come to Dragons, you can come to Dragons with me. Um, but yeah, as I said, I'd already given the, my word to the Warriors and that's, that's why I went to Warriors. Yeah, wow. Far out. Do you regret it? Well, then I wouldn't maybe not be where I am today. So it's like, would you trade the chance of not having what you have today? Beautiful wife, beautiful kid you know, relatively successful or whatever, would you trade that to, first of all, break your word, which was not going to happen? Mm. Um, maybe play some NRL, more NRL, maybe not. You don't know. I don't think it's worth it. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, no. I think you made the right choice, brother. Thanks, bro. I want to ask you a few fan questions. Oh, fan questions. If that's cool. I didn't know how, um, how many yeah. times are you on that end of the of a podcast? Hey? Well, how many times are you on that end of the podcast? Um, I don't know. Do, maybe. Do you do much of them like with other I mean, I don't know, maybe 10 different podcasts I've been on. Like, and I've been on other podcasts twice, but like being interviewed like this, oh, yeah, maybe 10. I don't know. Yeah, wow. Not that many. Okay. Not that many. All right. Well, our first question from yeah. Glenn from Perth. Okay. Aroused. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Good stuff, baby. <laughs> Heard you were coming on Let's Try and have to drop some love for the GOAT podcaster. How in the fuck did you come up with the now famous aroused angle? Well, I was always like... I want to know that question. Yeah, that's a question for me too. I just always found it funny that it didn't actually mean sex, just sexually. So I was always like, it just means excited. Yes, yes. And that, just, that was just... I used to say it in jest because it would throw people off. Like People were like, what the hell? Like he's talking sexual. Yes, like, yes. But in my head, I'm like, the joke is it's actually not. So got you one. And that's just why I would say it would just to take the piss out of people because I'd see them go, what the hell? I would have done the same thing. <laughs> Adam from Sydney, uh, watch your shows since day one. Uh, off the top of your head, who did you have the most fun interviewing or was the most surprising? Oh, man, that is tough. That is tough. Um, well, I mean, look, interviewing Darren Lockyer was pretty cool because he doesn't do this kind of stuff. Yes, yes. Uh, Gus School was a spin out. Uh, How did that come about? Uh, just through Nine, Channel Nine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but one, one that really like shocked me was James Seguiaro's story. He, his story was like, it really just like, wow. Like, mm. you know, coming from PNG, relatively wealthy initially, and then his father lost a lot, comes over, lives in Australia with, I think, uh, foster parents, yep. but had no, I think at one point they didn't even have money to send them to school. I'm not sure it was the foster parents or his whatever, but at one point he literally used to watch kids go to school and he'd be jealous of them. Mm. And I just thought far out, like just makes you put things in perspective of how lucky we are. Yeah. Um, that that really was like something that was like, wow, wow. That's pretty powerful. <clears throat> Lucky last. Josh from Penrith. Uh, love your work, legend. Uh, when are you going to get Let's Trot, myself and Fox, on Bloke for an epic episode? Mate, whenever they want. <laughs> mate, the boys are hard to get. Superstars. I, I, I'm on the decline. I'm going to turn you down. I had to speak to three assistants just to get to Joshy before the show here. <laughs> you were a hard man to get a hold of. <laughs> you, <laughs> I know you're very successful these days. I yeah. walked in. I hadn't even spoken to you yet. Like four assistants, three coffees around you. <laughs> I, was, I mean, I mean, tell you what, ordering people around, you're good at that. Oh, that's that. a lie. <laughs> Such a lie. Are you, are you uh, aroused by the studio? Mate, I am aroused by the studio. <laughs> Jesus. it's It's like... The lighting's perfect. 
It's uh, mate. I tell you what, it's actually it's better than my studio in regards to probably cost more. Well, the, um, team, the team I wanted yesterday do a hell of a job. So thank you, team. Uh, a couple of questions for you again. Uh, true or false questions? I don't okay. Know. Yeah, okay. Can we do dare as well? I might get a bit frisky. <laughs> Maybe later. Okay. If we have time. Well, speaking of truth today, um, mm. me and Fox got a bit of a bet going on mm -hmm. and um, we have to jump over a plane. You want to oh, just, is Fox going to be on the podcast regularly this year or not really? Well, he's pretty busy. Yeah. It's pre-season, but I think so. Eventually? I, I, think, I, I, think I, so. I just, just want to say, I reckon I could have gassed him when I was at my You reckon? That's a big call. Foxy, speak to me, baby. Do you have any footage you can show us? Um, I mean, I don't carry it with me, but I'm sure I could dig some up from the archives. Oh, please send it through because um, uh, I definitely want to see it. I reckon I got you, Foxy. Oh, it's a big call. He's burnt me a couple of times, but we won't talk about that. Obviously not now. Like I'm not saying let's have a race now. Um, this is just for content, to be honest. I'm just sorry <laughs> if you got to give you guys some content. <laughs> oh, I just bait everyone. Um True or false, uh, Darren Lockyer is your top three plays. 100, 100%. 100%. Uh, well, best player ever I've played with, for sure. Uh, you know, I'd argue he's a, he's a goat. He's a what goat. makes him the best? What, like I say, you've got all the normal stuff, all the wins, you know, the premierships, four or five premierships, whatever it is. You've got all that stuff that everyone knows. But I think a key difference with Lockie is you could argue he's the goat in two different positions. Fullback, 5'8". Yeah. Um, obviously won premierships, two different positions. I know GI did that as well. Um, but I think like out and out go, it's just hard to go past Cam Smith with what he did. Like, it's crazy. It man. is hard to go past that. Playing in the middle. Playing in the middle, being 400 spot, plus games. Playing in a spot for 120 kilogram fucking forwards. Bro, he was, he was around that origin series, like dominance before it. Yeah. You know, like that's how long he's, he was, he was at the Melbourne Storm before Bellamy. You know what I mean? That's like, spin out, yeah. that's crazy. Um, so, yeah, like Lockie, Smithy, um, and obviously Joey on his day. Like, like I, I wish we could have seen Joey head into his like mid-30s, like as in 31, 32, mm, 33. Because mm. imagine him with like the science of today with his body all right. Like look at all the best halves in the comp at the moment other than obviously Cleary. Cherry Evans. They're all a little Cleary. bit older. Mm. I would love to see Joey go. But Joey on his day, I don't think there's anyone that can play better rugby league than Joey on his day. I think he... When he's at his best, is the like you just can't get better rugby league than him. But career wise, I think he goes Smithy. Um, but then yeah, Lockie, just the fact those two different positions, I think is massive. I'm actually have to pick up the paper to read this one because it's a pretty okay. long question. Okay. Uh, true or false? Your injuries as a footy player may have been the biggest blessing in respect to your overall career. No, no, definitely not. No injuries has definitely didn't help my career. Um, but going through them, like the resilience you had to go, you know, to have. Um, to get through the other side, nah, recovery. No, I was always pretty uh, – injuries weren't ever my issues. Like I never really had – like I had shoulder Rico, but I never got rattled from it. Um, okay. Yeah, no, like the the actual mental side of getting through injury wasn't hard. It was more actually the mental side of um, – oh, what's the word? Like basically dealing with injuries but dealing with – the like the biggest issues I had with injuries when I broke six ribs and my lung collapsed, and it was dealing with being too keen to get back uh, too quickly, and so basically you have to like put the brakes on yourself. But then also it was dealing with staff telling me if I don't get back, like as if I can play this week, it's just a pain management thing, and I was always trying to tell them no, something's wrong, like this isn't right, this is with my broken ribs. And so it was communicating with them, but then there was a feeling of like, I'm just being soft. 
Um, which I get, it's, you're in this hard spot because you need, no one gets on a footy field and they don't have injury. But that, the biggest struggle I had with injury was for the whole year I kept you know, coming back from these broken, inju- uh, broken ribs. Mm. I'd get needled, the needle would wear off in like the 60th minute and then I'd just be in agony. Yeah. And they kept kind of implying like, mate, it's just, you're just going to have to push Toughen through this. Up. By the end of the year I put my foot down and said, no, nah, I need every scan you can get because there's something still wrong. Anyway, we did every scan, did a CT scan. Eventually, it showed that I still had broken ribs. That was the biggest struggle of like them thinking that I'm just carrying on when I wasn't. Like I was pl- literally trying to get back with cracks still in my ribs. That would infuriate um, Yeah, and like I'm not, I'm not a, a top dog player that gets to just roll back into first grade. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm out at a Q Cup field getting needled up and dying in the 60, 70th minute, and just that roller coaster of like. Make you feel like you're crazy. You feel like that you're being soft. You're like, oh, maybe I am soft. Like maybe I'm, maybe I don't have the ticker that all these other NRL players have. And then finally getting that scan and going, hang on a sec. Like, no, I I, I am tough. Like I've I've been playing with these ribs, and even when I broke the six ribs and the lung, like, look, I know people like to make jokes, you know, footy players and that. If you're an NRL player, you are tough. Yeah. It is that simple. I don't care whether you think that they're the softest or whatever, or they whinge or complain or stay down. I guarantee you any NRL player is tougher than probably 90% of other sports in the world. Um, there was a study that every NRL game is equivalent to a small car crash. 100%. Like every run is nearly a car crash. Mm. And so anyone's like, oh, he's soft, he's this. It's like, bro, you just don't know. Because you, you're just seeing the 80 minutes. You're not seeing what happens in, in preseason, Prep. all that kind of stuff. So that that when we're talking about like struggles, um, I didn't really learn much from that because I felt like you know I, I could have maybe communicate better, maybe more firm, maybe believe more in my own body. Um, that that's probably what I could learn. But uh, outside of that, it was, yeah, the, the the toughest stuff for me in my career was more dealing with, you know, going to the right club that could suit me. Um, you know, s- contract stuff that didn't work out properly, and then dealing with that by uh, falling out of love with the game instead of just going, you know what, I'm going to go play reserve grade, even though I've been hard done by here, I'm going to go play reserve grade and just bide my time. Just all the off-field politicking stuff. Every every footy player goes through it. Yeah. I, I think that uh, fringe, not fringe, but because I, I wasn't necessarily a fringe fringy, um, because you know when I was playing my best, I was one of the like a better winger. But when you're not a when you're a guy that uh, isn't a big superstar winger that's playing international, and you're if you play three or four bad games, your spots under pressure. Yeah. If you're that kind of level of player, you're almost constantly fighting for contracts. Almost. Constantly being screwed around and told that there's no money in the car. Constantly cap. looking over your shoulder. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. And mm-hmm. so that was the stuff that I just wasn't ready for. I didn't, I didn't realize like, for example, the move to the Warriors. If I was in league more, if I was in league from a six-year-old, whatever, I would know, mate, like you're at the Brisbane Broncos. To even be in this side after they've just won a premiership is insanity. Just be patient. It's like how many players do we see at Penrith now that are young and you go, mate, just stay there. Yeah. That's the, that's the position I was in. On top of that, I'd only been playing league for three years, two years. And no one told me, bro, the Warriors, even though it's a beautiful country, it's a great team, you are not ready in your rugby league journey to be in another country at a club that notoriously Aussies do struggle with to go there. But no one said that to me. And so I still made all my own decisions, but that I, I do wish I had some guidance in that department that was like, mate, just be patient. In, like I was 21 years old. Like, as I said, playing footy for three years, why, why, why was I so quick to be, get to 100 games? I, I don't know. Mm. So that, that was the mental side that I, if I could go back again, I would look at. But I can say that now. At the time, I just didn't have the information that I needed. 
Well, speaking of the Broncos, uh, obviously a Broncos fan, how did you find they went in 2023? Yeah, it's tough. It fell short, obviously. Yeah, it fell short. Look, I a lot of people go, oh, you, you know, you're devastated and they lost it by the, you know, they had the lead by a record margin and clearly caught up. But I, I look at it differently, like obviously devastated. Obviously we lost. That's, there's no denying that. But comparing it to 2015, the reason why I can stomach this more than the 2015 one is the 2015 one actually wasn't that high quality of a game for a lot of it. Mm. it like it was a good game, more of an exciting game. Um, and so that's where I feel like Broncos really could have put Cowboys away. Whereas if you have a guy that's probably going to go on to be an immortal uh, in Nathan Cleary, at, like, and when I say probably, I don't mean just randomly probably. When you look at what he's achieved already and you compare it to potential or current immortals it is equal to it is equal to so at the very least he's going to go down as a hall of famer if it takes him to produce the greatest ever performance of 20 minutes of a seven in a grand final ever plus the penrith panthers to complete at 97 percent plus the penrith panthers at the peak of their powers like they've been together for now for four years they're the best they've been if it takes them to beat us so be it like yeah. that's footy that's footy sometimes you get up against the side if you actually look at the stats, Broncos would have beaten 75% of other teams they played in the grand final. We just got up against one of the greatest ever sides assembled. Like that Penrith side is one of the greatest rugby league sides ever assembled in the NRL and rugby league. I agree. And we got done by, you know, a few minutes. I, I can cop that. Who was your premiership favourite? Do you remember? At the start of the year? Mm. Roosters. Roosters. Roosters, okay. Didn't that not work out? <laughs> Holy. Uh, I, when you... Look at the Roosters' season as a whole. It kind of does make sense because I feel like they came into this season with a lot of expectation. They had a lot of distractions mm. off-field. Um, the signing of Suwali, like, there was just a lot of noise. That's the noise that they didn't really need. And then on top of that, they had all those injuries. So yeah. I feel like they did pretty well just to even make the finals, to be well, totally honest. My concern with the Roosters is is that since they're back-to-back, they haven't really fired a shot. And they've got too good of a roster yeah, I agree, yeah. to not fire a shot. That's the bit where I'm like, I do think they need to reset a bit. And I think also they need to look at their season and – look at why are they starting so poorly every year? And it's been like that since 2018. Now they had the cattle like Cronk to kind of help yep. them with that. I think, and Trent Robertson has come out and talked about this, that maybe they need to tweak some things. Now they save their runs so late every year where you're going, these guys like halfway through the year going, mate, they might finish 14th. And then by the end of the year, like, holy, like yeah. they're putting it. But I just don't think that can work in, in today's game. It doesn't seem to be working anymore for the Roosters. So I think they need to tweak that a little I, bit. I feel like as well, the chopping and changing of their halves. Like, they, yeah, they just didn't know where they sit. Obviously, Brandon Smith had to kind of, you know, adjust to the Roosters system mm. coming from Melbourne, completely different. Um, and Teddy had a down year as well. Not not a bad year. So crazy. He's so good. That's, that's, that's what, that's what's like, everyone laid the boot in Teddy in the Origin mm. Series, but because he's been playing such a high level consistently of so many years, it's just mm. easy to judge um, yeah. Teddy. But I didn't think it was that bad. I didn't think it was that bad. It's, I think it's more – I think it's – he didn't play bad individually, but I think it's his style of play that sometimes doesn't click. At, like, for example, who are the, the hottest property right now as fullbacks? And then obviously not better than Teddy. Teddy's the second best fullback. Callum Ponga, Dylan Edwards. Reece, oh, probably Reece. KP, Reese Walsh. You'd say one and two at yeah, the moment? Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. They're ball-playing fullbacks. Yes. Um, and I, I think that with Teddy – that's an area of his game that because we've just getting so good at defense now, like defensive systems, mm. if he could just tweak that a little bit, he's just his ball playing at the back, then boom, he's back. But when it comes to like his ball running and all that kind of stuff, it's still top tier, like top, top tier. Mm. Um, but yeah, he said, look, Teddy gets judged by a different standard as a compliment. It's a compliment that we say he had a down year yeah. because he is literally 
one of the greatest fullbacks of all time, period. There is no argument. And this honestly, if you don't have him in your top five all time, I think that's craziness. Mm. Craziness of fullbacks. I agree. I agree. And this coming season, who do you feel might take it out? You said the Roosters, Mate, so who do you reckon? Then? It is hard to look past Penrith going four. Is that sickening? Like three in a row. Like I like being there. Like that the twenty twenty season. I um I was there. That was such a unique year. Obviously with COVID, mm. and we had a, such an amazing run, and no one saw us coming. Twenty nineteen, I think we finished tenth or eleventh, something like that. And then we come into preseason. Arguably one of the toughest preseasons I've ever been a part of, and we went on this amazing run. We had this amazing belief in each other, and. Man, I'll tell you, like, it was just so unique. Like, every time we stepped on the training field, like, everyone was on. Yeah. Right. If it was the the training field, if it was in the wrestle gym, if it was in the gym, like, everyone everyone was chasing perfection. If yeah. it was, like, a rep, like, if someone just saw one of the teammates do half a rep, like, everyone would, like, spot him Everyone bought in. Everyone bought in. Yeah. And I was there for, what, nine seasons, and that was the first time I actually experienced something like that. It was yeah, just yeah. such a professional organization and team, and uh, for me, it's no surprise what, what they've done. Yeah, it's incredible. If... If Broncos stay injury free, um, you have to lose on the win one. Look, I, so I made this comment before the grand final. Broncos at a high completion rate, I believe, actually play better footy than Penrith. I agree, but the problem is, say. is they make so many errors. Um, now you saw even in the grand final when they started completing their sets, they put three tries on them like that, boom, boom, boom. And so that's that's the nature of the Penrith beast. Is like, okay, there might be some sides that can put together some good footy that's better than us um but we play nine out of ten all the time so unless you can play nine out of ten all the time uh, in your own standard you're not going to beat us and that's what mm -hmm. makes them so good they play nine out of ten at the very least eight like when it when was the last time you saw a six out of ten game from the from the panthers i don't remember five six years ago mm. whereas i've seen games from the broncos this season that are six out of ten. Oh, i do remember one game actually when they lost to the Tigers in Tamworth. <laughs> and, and I had to shave my head. Was, was, was um, Cleary playing? Cleary played. Cleary played? Yeah, they were pretty much at full strength, but it was absolutely belting well, there down. There you go. One game yeah. was a six out of ten. But you could count them on a, on a, you know, one hit. Like over the last four years, you could count probably five games where they've been a six out of ten. Every other game, it's yeah. eight out of ten, yeah. nine out of ten. Yes. And like that's – like to think you could complete at a 97% completion rate of grand final, like that is – that's when you talk about buying in, you've never seen a team buy in more than that. Literally, it is the highest completion rate in the history of grand finals. Mm. Um, whereas I do think that when Broncos do complete at around 85%, I do think they're the best team in the competition. Mm. But it's easy to say that. Do it then. Mm. Do it then. They didn't do it. Um, so that's why Penrith are the greatest team. To, I, I think Penrith is the greatest team ever assembled. I think there's probably only Storm 2017 in a one-off game. But you, know, you don't play one-off games. You mm. play seasons. Mm. So when you look at it from a season perspective, Penrith Panthers is the greatest team ever assembled. It's a pretty crazy, um, crazy, pretty crazy thing to think about. Like just three, three, oh, three wins in a row. Three like, premierships in today's day and age when you think about is it. a joke. Yeah, like, no. as I said, there might be some early 2000 Broncos sides or some 2017 Storm or 18 Roosters that in a one-off game could beat them. Mm. But over a prolonged couple of seasons and that, no, no one's coming close. Well, who do you think is going to be the most improved side? I like Manly. Yeah, I liked them last year and they, they really <laughs> broke my heart. Really broke my heart. Um, I think Brooksy's going to really kick off there. Uh, I really can see that. Well, it's, it's, I mean, you've got teams, it's going to sound silly to say they're going to be most improved, but you've got a team like the Cowboys that they massively underachieved yeah, last year. Yeah. Eels, Rabbitohs, 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it, there's there's a lot of teams that – there's three teams right there that didn't make the eight that could challenge for a frigging comp next year. Mm. Um, so, yeah, probably one of those I think will, will bounce back. I think South's not making the eight is just absolute Crazy. injustice. Like I don't know. I can't believe it. It's like the Broncos – 2022. That's right. Just fell completely off the cliff. That's right. That's right. Well, we had Latrell on our last episode. Should admit. Yeah, we've got a little thing where we let the guests write a question for our next guest on the show. And oh, okay. you were you were lucky enough to get trolls. Okay. So I haven't seen what he wrote. Um That'd be all right. Have a have a read of that. Oh, here we go. Open it up. Put it out in existence. Okay, let's see. Don't do me, don't do me like this. We've had some, we've had some uh, quite interesting questions. Don't do me like this, Chelly Mitt. I'm our number one fan, baby. What is your anchor? Mm. Oh shit! What is your anchor? What is your anchor? Does he mean like what anchors me to keeps you grounded? Yeah. Okay. Um, keeps me grounded. Keeps me grounded. Well, I'd say like uh, the definition for me, like what is your anchor of I guess keeps me happy. Um, it's my wife for sure, for sure. She's just, she's incredible. Uh, it just creates a, an environment at home that, man, it's like women got magic. I don't know what it is, baby. They just got magic in their hands. I don't know what it is. Tell me, tell me the secret. Do you know? You don't think you got magic in your hands? No, I don't. <laughs> I don't. They just, they just create an environment that is so. Well, they create a home. Life. They create a home. They create I a home that, that is just so peaceful to go to. Yes. So loving and caring and. So she's my anchor in regards to just that point I can always go back to and you just forget the world. You've got someone that loves you just for you and doesn't uh, get caught up in all the nonsense and you know whether you're in a box, living in a box or doing really well, mm. she's going to be by your side. And I know that for sure because when we met, holy, when we met, my, me and my wife, um, I, we, we were hundred, I was hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. Oh, I was sleeping on, on a uh, mattress on my parents houses floor and they were living in their parents house and there was so much financial stress on the family because they used to rent out their home and that money would go to my mum to live on because like we didn't have any money um and so when i moved in there we i couldn't afford to pay rent because so so she wasn't getting money then my dad starts stressing oh, wow. out and so when i met yeah my wife now um yeah i, I was literally on we had no no furniture um, in the house, uh, a bed on the floor, no money. And she used to fly up because she was living in Sydney. I was living in the Gold Coast. Uh, and she would fly up and just to, she, she'd work all week in a job and just to spend some time with me, she'd work behind the bar uh, oh, at, 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 um, that's cool. at, yeah, at Broad Beach just, just to be just be with me. Um, and so a lot of people look at her and see how beautiful she is and they go, oh, she, you know, she's only with him because he's successful. And I'm like, nah. She saw the darkest times. She, she was there with the darkest times. No money. I mean – I used to have holes in my shoes because we had no money to buy new shoes. That's how much money the bar owed when I took it over because I didn't owe money when I took it. It had money before and then I took it over and I took on that debt. Uh. Um, and so, yeah, we were struggling massively, so like a lot of stress. Um, and, yeah, and so when I met her, I said to her, um, they're richer than men than me. They're richer men than me. They're better looking men than me, but no man will give you a better life. Uh, and boom. Now we are married. So she's my anchor in regards to happiness. My anchor in regards to keeping me grounded. Just remembering the people before me that yeah. are much better men than, than me, men and women. You touched on that before, your yeah. grandparents, for example. Absolutely. Reminding yourself, hey, they, like, my, as I said, my grandparents went to war for this country. So how dare I think that I'm 
some kind of hero. Uh, that keeps me grounded. That's pretty powerful, brother. Well, now you got the opportunity for our next guest. So, okay. uh, pens there, uh, Ooh, piece of shit. papers there. Yeah, that's all right. Um, do you know who your next guest is? Uh, we do. So you want to know? I want to know. I, wanna oh, know. I can't tell everyone. It's a bit of a secret, but no, I'll tell okay. you. Come over here. <laughs> What do you reckon? Okay. okay. Too, too interesting. Very cool. interesting. Yeah, Mate, yeah, yeah. I'm hooked. You got me. Well, your next guest is pretty cool. Matty Johns. There's exclusive. Um, <laughs> okay. I'll just, yeah, I'll do it to just one. What well, question to one. Go. Okay. Um, Don't tell me that. Leave it a surprise. Your legs are looking really smooth, eh? Bro, I got some of the best legs in the game. <laughs> pound for pound, seriously. I thought I did. Pound for pound. They're not the biggest, but when it comes to like, like ratios. Eva evasiveness, speed, just, agility. Just everything. they got everything about them. Like they're not that big, but pound for pound powerful. Um, I used to call myself the pound for pound king of the Broncos just quietly, but it's all right. Around that crew too. Fucking the nerve. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks heaps, brother. I really appreciate that. Um, so what's next? Um, today or in life? In life. Um, basically just... Uh, yeah, just keep going on the podcast. Got yep. some ideas there. Um, with, I mean, we don't really need to add shows. Got a lot of shows. Um, but there may be some, uh, like for example, merchandise. We do a lot of merchandise, obviously. But we're going to up our game. We're going to step our game up. I like that. We're going to watch the movie Step Up and then Step Up. <laughs> I'll join you. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, we're going to step. We're going to, like the merchandise, we're going to make it like, it's still going to be the same kind of merchandise, but just a bit better quality, you know, so when you get it, it's a bit better experience. And also the materials and everything are going to be a higher quality than what you get right now. We're just going to spend, at the moment, the merchandise more like, oh, that's fun, let's put it there. I'm just going to spend a bit more time in really developing that side of um, the business. That's a, a key. Plus there's something else that, I, that it'll, it's pretty big that will come hopefully mid-year, hopefully mid-year um, when it comes to business. Beautiful, man. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show. I really, really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Best of luck uh, going forward and um, until next time. Boom. Danskies. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in on Let's Trot Show. I hope you enjoyed that one with Den and Kemp. Make sure to hit that five-star button. Give us a follow, subscribe, and we'll see you next week.